The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of this program do not necessarily stand to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 18th of June, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and I've got an awesome show for you, as I normally do, especially this being the seven-year anniversary special. Now, I will say uh, right from the get-go that putting this show together has not been easy. It's been a big pain in the ass. I mean, trying to book a couple of guests that just could not come through was a bit tough to do. And then also dealing with somebody who claimed to be a PR person um, who uh, said he could get me a Hollywood actor to interview here on the show, and it just didn't uh, pan out that way. And, uh, well, the so-called PR person I talked to turns out to be a fraud. And uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that right there. Won't even mention the guy's name. So I stuck with the people like I know, like uh, Shauna O'Donnell, for the best example. And of course, uh, she came through for me as she always does. So in the first hour, I've got a gentleman by the name of Thomas Lowell. He's the front man for a band called Mammothor, and him and I have a good conversation. You'll hear in the first hour. In the second hour, have the second ever Australian to ever join Outlaw Radio. In fact, the first ever Australian was uh, five years ago when I interviewed independent rapper Muggsy. Well, today you're going to hear from the first ever Australian to ever fight in the UFC, and that would be the king of rock and rumble, Elvis Sinisic. And we get to hear his story. And in the third hour... Joined by the master, Chris Master, bringing back news of the weird and taking a walk down memory lane. Before I get to any of that, I want to cue the first song of the show. This is called Bury the Motive by Mammothor. Now I'll be back with the interview with Travis Lowell right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. We lost the war today. 
thrill seeker rocking out to the station. I hear you. You're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle. One that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey. The best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey. 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be an herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. I wonder, if men think with the wrong head, do women speak with the wrong lips? Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. In 1664, John Milton responded to the English Parliament censoring of book publishers by saying, Give me the liberty to know and to speak freely. Over 300 years later, there are citizens in countries around the world who are striving to gain this fundamental right. Freedom of speech is more than just an American concept. It's a universal human right. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, the Cormac Foundation, and this station. So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25-year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. I'm Neil, 
And you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Bury the Motive by Mammoth Thor, and it is my pleasure to welcome their lead singer, Travis Lowell, to the show. Travis, how have you been, brother? Good. How are you, Billy? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for joining the show, especially on this special day. Yes, congratulations, man. Seven years. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, for those who have uh, never heard of Mammoth Thor, why don't you give a little background, tell the listeners a bit about the band, about yourself a little bit, too. Well, the band was formed uh, around 10 years ago. Um, I think we just probably had a little bit of an anniversary ourselves, but uh, I actually wasn't a part of it at that point. They recorded a full album with a different singer that came out in 2014. At the time, the band was a little bit more blues rock oriented. And then when I joined, uh, the band started taking more hard rock, heavy metal, progressive kind of roots, uh, which we've now kind of moved away from and have are become a little bit more straightforward, hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was looking up uh, some some of the uh, older videos there on YouTube, and I take it uh, for uh, the the one song that I, I saw, uh, what, what was it called? Uh, so, ty- tyrannical or something, I can't remember. but I, Tyrannicide. 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 Yeah, Tyrannicide. Yep. Interesting name, but uh, I take it you were not yep. a part of them uh, back then? I actually was, if you're talking about the lyric video, because that song, interestingly enough, was re-recorded with me. Um, the original version of it, though, was on the album by the same title. And when I tried out for the band, that was a song that I had tried out using. And it came across really cool and we started adding more stuff to it and then eventually decided to re-record it for the second album. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting, too. And uh, Mammothor, what what an in- interesting name. Uh, um, uh, even though uh, you, you came in, uh, sure. and it, it uh, obviously wasn't, wasn't part of your idea to uh, call it that, do you, do you have any idea of the background or what, what that may possibly mean or... Sounds like well, something. Well, my my under. No, oh, go ahead. I was I was just going to say, sounds like something medieval to me. <laughs> a little bit, and if you look at the artwork on that first album too, it's got a real feel like that. Um, the name actually came from Josh, who's our guitar player and founding member of the band. Uh, he had written a song that he had titled Mammothor, um, and in the lyrics it says, "You can't kill the Mammothor." And uh, basically, when the band was struggling to find a a name for itself that kept coming up and everybody really liked it. So the band was born, how he came up with taking, you know, mammoth and adding the OR, you'd kind of have to ask him. And for some reason, all these years I never have, but uh, yeah, it came from that song title. Yeah. I would have think uh, just if it's that song title, uh, my, my first guess would have been man of war. So go figure. (laughs) It it does sound a little bit like that, but yeah, no, it's a little different. And certainly the bands evolved a lot over the years too. Now man of war though is one of my favorites. I will tell you that. They have an interesting look. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, and an interesting sound. And I'd say, I'd say, you know, one of one of the pioneers that uh, helped uh, pave the way for uh, today's modern metal, too. Yeah, they're really unique. Yeah, 
Yes, I I had uh, Ross the boss on a couple years ago, and yeah, talking to him that that was a fantastic conversation, and getting his getting his insight, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like pretty much metal through and through. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and and the way I think uh, metal should be, you know, because I'm not. I'm not particularly a fan of like uh, you know the the death metal scene. Um, I mean, I've talked to to some uh, guys that are like fans of uh, bands like Cannibal Corpse, but uh, mm-hmm. if I'm gonna listen, if I'm gonna listen to music, I you know if it's in a foreign language, that's one thing. But uh, right uh, with uh, Cannibal Corpse, I can't under I can't understand a damn thing they're saying. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's a style. Uh, yeah. I have some friends that are into them and uh, as well as like carcass and um, a lot of really heavy types of bands like that. Even early in flames is pretty similar to, to carcass. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of stuff I go to once in a while when I'm listening, but, but not a lot. I'm probably more with you. I, but I, but I like a big variety of music too. So, Oh, absolutely. Of course. I, but as music has changed, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm just old school because, uh, you know, when I, when I, he- uh, hear the word metal, I'm expecting Metallica or Man of War sure. or Ozzy, sure. you know, um, yeah. and then, uh, you know, ghost comes out and I, you know, no disrespect <laughs> to them, but they don't sound like metal to me. Yeah. It's definitely got like a poppy kind of edge to it with the vocals and the production and everything too. It's, yeah. And and they're good, man. They're interesting. And, and I think that they've brought back, I was thinking about this today. It's funny you bring them up, but I was thinking about how, you know, far music has kind of declined in its popularity, this style of music. And I think that a big part of it's because of accessibility and because of uh, the mystery being gone for most mm-hmm. bands. Everybody is just instantly accessible. You have Facebook friends with a singer from, some band that you would have had to track down, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't have found them. And, you know, there's no mystery. They just update you every day on all the boring stuff going on in their life. They get involved in political discussions and all that, and all that kind of mystery and fun gets taken away. If, you know, back in the day, you might've had to open a magazine and you go, Oh my God, like this band's got a new album coming out. I can't wait. It's coming out August 30th. I got to wait for August 30th. and I'm going to buy this. And now that's kind of gone. Now it's just like singles come, singles go. Um, it's so much harder, I think, for people to really land a big punch with, with, with music, particularly this style, because it's been done for the last 50 years, at least to one degree or another. You know, it, it's like the Internet has made uh, a lot of improvements. I will give it that, but it's also destroyed some areas, too. Absolutely. People's attention span is completely gone. Yes. Completely gone. You're not like, I mean, that's another thing too. When you talk about doing a live show or, or a song, you're not just competing with other bands anymore. You're competing with, uh, YouTube. You're competing with, uh, you know, uh, reality shows. You're competing with porn. You're competing with everything for people's time. And how are you supposed to, win them over. So you, you try to throw as big a punch as you can and as frequently as you can. But I can tell you, man, it's, it's tiring sometimes to like, to do what you feel is like really great work. And sometimes just the recognition doesn't come with it. So you got to just kind of take pride in your work and keep, keep, uh, forging ahead. 
Yes, yes. You know, I mean the same thing too. You look at uh, country music, and you know when I mm-hmm. when I when I hear country, I'm I'm thinking Waylon, I'm thinking Willie, I'm thinking oh, yeah. Merle Haggard. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, and that's the kind of stuff I grew up on, man. Yeah. I grew up on country music. I grew up in rural Maine and used to listen to old country music with my grandfather and my dad and. Um, you know, I got introduced to a lot of rock and stuff through my s- older sister who had, you know, the Metallica cassette tapes and Guns N' Roses and oh, Megadeth, yeah. Faith No More, and all these bands that I've come to admire over the years. But, um, you know, the country was very different, you know, 30 years ago. Compared oh, to now. Yeah. Garth Brooks, you know, even Garth Brooks, even though he added a little bit more of a pop element and a rock kind of element to things, he was still at his core writing great country music and nowadays it's really pop country i don't know that you can compare taylor swift with you know uh with with garth brooks or early garth brooks you know what i mean it's just not the same world well i've i've always used thomas rett as the best example you know you you listen to him his voice is country his music is not Right, and and the the production, everything, the the way they even perform on stage nowadays, it's it's very like pop, yeah, um, influenced, yeah. But it's working, it's working, it's working a hell of a lot better than heavy metal, I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, so, so it seems. Then of course you know, you get uh, people like my wife who still uh, who still h- hates country music, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's okay. And <laughs> there's, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of those too. But yeah, man, I used to, I grew up listening to all that kind of stuff. Alabama, um, Reba McIntyre, yeah. a lot of, a lot of country stuff, you know. And then, of course, the older country too that you brought up. You know, Waylon. I, I, I got to ask you something though. Since you grew up in Maine, you know, and I think, you sure. know, I Maine is one of the few states I have not been to. Maybe I, I hear the hunting's good up there. Maybe I might want to do some of that one day. Um, Absolutely, but uh, you know it's like Maine, Maine is up north. It's uh, quote unquote Yankee country, but yeah, sure. <laughs> but yet uh, you go up there. It's uh, it's probably just as, if not more, redneck than the South, from what I understand. Oh, absolutely, man! I grew up in in the country in Maine too. I didn't grow up in like Portland, which you know, if you grew up in Central Maine where I was, uh, people don't consider anything south of Augusta to be Maine anymore. They think that you're pretty much just now you're in Massachusetts. I think that was pretty much always the the slogan of people, and they call you Flatlanders. And it's a very weird thing where um, small town Maine. I will give a hard time. Uh, about it a lot. It's kind of like with, with that buddy of yours that, uh, you know, he drives you crazy and you, you talk kind of bad about him. And then if anybody else does, you kind of get defensive and get mad on his behalf. I'm kind of like that with, with rural Maine because um, there's so much that I didn't love about growing up there, but there's a lot about it that's really nice and stuff too. And, and that I've come to miss even living in the city and, um, a lot of great people and stuff too, but it's very redneck too at times. Like you said, uh, a lot of hard drinking, a lot of, lot of hunting and shooting and just, uh, like snowmobiling, four wheeling, camping, all that kind of stuff. I hear somebody told me they make pretty good moonshine up there. 
Uh, I've had it a few times, and uh, what I had was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it was. What I remember was good. Yes. So I want to talk about that song we just listened to, Bury the Motive. Interesting song. Very interesting video. Obviously, uh, you know, I just got to give you my take on it. Uh, Don't really want to start a political discussion. But I pick up a, a strong political feel to that song. The video obviously uh, touches on uh, artificial intelligence. Yes. Uh, so the song, the, the interesting story behind that is um, a lot of our songs have basically code names when they're first coming up. And that one was labeled Death Type because it had riffs in it that were kind of reminiscent of the band Death me being me, I kind of took that and ran with it a little bit because um, the Parkland shootings happened, the school shootings right around then. And it got me to thinking about whenever anybody kills somebody, they always interview the neighbors and they're always like, well, he never seemed like the type. Um, So I kind of took that and ran with it. And I wasn't trying to take necessarily a specific stance, um, you know, but what I did want to do is point the finger at the media and at the politicians that use these kind of things um, as a way to promote themselves, as a way to boost their ratings, as a way to get reelected. I'm sure they're human beings. They don't like to see these kind of things, but um, I find that there's probably a lot of faux outrage and I don't think that there's a lot of real solutions. And I think that one of the hard things about being a human being, particularly now when you live in a very comfortable society is that there are certain things that are just out of our control and that we can never fully be safe from. And especially when it comes to anything with mass casualties. So I wrote this song and I wanted to highlight a little bit of the, the people that are often forgotten, which is, is the victims. Um, That's good. So, yeah. So having written that when we came to revelry studios uh, and, and Tyler Ayers, who's the director I pitched him a much kind of darker take on the video and he got back to me and he said, well, you know, Travis, I just got done doing this really dark video. And I think, I feel like I'm kind of spent on that thing. What do you think about doing something a little lighter? So we started pitching ideas back and forth. And then Josh, the one that I had referenced earlier, um, who had written the music at some point, he mentioned something about robots to me. And I don't remember exactly where it came from. But then my mind started spinning, and I got thinking about this movie. I don't know if you've seen it, Billy, but it's called Ex Machina. Have Never even it? heard of it, to be honest with you. Oh, man, you've really got to check it out. It's so cool. It's um, Basically, this guy works for a, a big company. You know, we call it uh, Apple or whatever. He's a computer programmer, and he wins a contest to go meet the guy that runs the entire company. And he lives way out in the middle of nowhere. And when he gets there, he has to basically sign a waiver and then he meets this AI woman. And I don't want to give away too much, but she is also designed to manipulate. And uh, it becomes a question of everybody's motives. So that kind of came back full circle to this song and the ideas behind using the AI in it. So in the video, as you can see, like basically this guy creates her. And then when he puts her online and starts she starts taking in everything that humanity does, which includes all the bad stuff. She becomes sentient and she starts going, why did you create me? Why am I here? And having a baby myself, there's been times when I'm like, 
bringing another person into this world, it can be a pretty dark place, can be a pretty scary place. All you hope is that you can guide them and show them the right way. Um, but when this robot basically comes online and she sees like some of the darkness of humanity, she turns on her creator. And by the end of the video, she basically turns him into a, uh, an AI being himself, which is kind of a nice little twist. But I, I love the video, man. I think it came out great. Um, I, I can't wait to work with Revelry again. They were just, they were awesome through and through. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the video was fantastic. The song is great. I mean, I, I love everything about the song and, you know, I mean, it's probably no, uh, surprise to you that, uh, you know, I've basically taken CNN, MSNBC and even Fox news and told them to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, you know, it, I guess it depends who you want to tune into just based on like what version of the truth you want to hear. And uh, that is a little bit disconcerting if you're a person who's looking for actual truth, because there is no such thing as your truth. There's just the truth. And uh, I feel like that the wool's being pulled over our eyes a lot. Oh, hell yeah, it is. And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're left or right. Sure. So, you know, and you, you, you kind of, you, because you have these 24 seven choices in front of you, you get to kind of choose which version of the truth you want to take, like which pill do you want to swallow, which one tastes the best to you. And then if you just keep taking that one pill, you're not, you're not getting the full story. And I don't know that any of us are getting the full story really on anything. Well, to, to me, I've always put it this way is, uh, it's basically you have two piles of dog shit, one topped with <laughs> whipped cream and strawberries, the other with uh, sugar and cinnamon. Do you still want to mm. take a bite or it's still a pile of dog shit? Well, I don't know. They both sound pretty delicious. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until you get beneath the surface. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, for sure. No, but that but that all makes sense too. It's um, it's all, you know, the days of uh, like Walter Cronkite or whatever, just kind of in a monotone way delivering the news are long gone, and and it's gone even further now with the internet where you can basically choose which website you want to go to. If you want to go something, as you said, far right, far left, there's not a lot of middle of the road voices anymore. And the vast majority of people I like to think are probably a little more toward the middle on things, what I would call reasonable in, in old times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. the, um, you know, the other songs too, uh, like, uh, you know, we discussed this before we uh, started recording. Like uh, Tyrannicide, that um, even though uh, you're sure. not you're not singing in the uh, in the in the video on that one there, uh, but uh, you know, just watching the video and uh, look like a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> but oh well, the, actually, that version is me on it um, oh, because is it? we re we re yeah we re-recorded that song. So it was the title track on the first album that I'm not on. And you can hear the two distinctly different versions of it. It's kind of cool. Um, when I tried out for the band, that was the first song that I actually tried out on. And we got so, we were so good at it playing it live that we decided to re-record it. And it's got a kind of completely different version. But that, uh, that lyric video for Tyrannicide is, uh, is with me on the vocals. Yeah, interesting song, interesting video, and interesting sound too. I mean, it's uh, definitely got more of that that blues touch to it that I like as well. Yes, 
Yeah, and that's and that's where the roots of the band are. So even on the new album that we're recording right now, we do go back to that sound at times a little bit. But I think the diversity of the band is probably, you know, they always say diversity is our strength. I think that uh, that actually in this case probably is one thing that we're pretty good at. I think that we can write music in many different kind of styles and do it in a pretty strong way. So the new album is going to have some blues oriented stuff as well as pretty much straight metal as well as some uh, alternative rock, alt metal, you know, take your pick. Uh, we're going to have more breakdowns. Alex, our, our, I call him our new guitar player. He's been with us for about a year, but our new guitar player, he's big into breakdowns. He likes metal core. So we're probably going to have more breakdowns in the music. It's just, things just keep getting stronger and stronger in the Mammoth War camp. You know, it, I think it's important to keep that blues sound, you know, because uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of these uh, styles of music are seem to be dying out, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people today, it's like, uh, who do not know, they're, we're, tra- we're talking probably ages uh, 15 to 30. They have no idea who Stevie Ray Vaughan was. Wow. They have yeah. I mean, they have no the, idea the who flies to. Yeah, BB King was. I'm like, you gotta be, yeah. you gotta be shitting me. Well, I mean, well, the older you get, too, man. I, you know, and again, having a baby at home, it really drives that point home. because every day she's changing and developing. When you get to be an adult, um, you know, if you're 50 right now, if I looked at you when you were 45, you probably look barely any different. You, your interests are probably the same. Everything's kind of cast in stone at that point and moves at a snail's pace as, as time marches on. But when you're a kid, uh, the time just flies. So for you look at somebody like Stevie Ray Vaughan from 30 years ago, you know, um, I'm assuming you were alive back then. Oh, yeah. And it's all within, well within your kind of memory, where somebody that's 15 years old, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan was dead for years. By the time they're born, they're going to say, what do I want to know about some old dead guy for, <laughs> you know? And then they're going to watch like a TikTok video or something, man. It's a totally different world for these kids. Yeah. Oh, no. It's like, uh, but, uh, oh, no, I guess I think when it comes to parenting. I think parenting, we can introduce them. And yeah. yes, exactly. I think we can introduce them to, to some of these things and um, get them to value things um, from the past. I think it's going to be a lot better for our future that they're not just taking in whatever is the flavor of the moment. Because if you went through even the last decade of whatever's been in popular culture, a lot of it's long since faded. And probably if you looked at it, you've already forgotten about it, you know, and people like that, they, they kind of, they're legends and they're going to be around in some capacity forever. I mean, um, you know, at least uh, we still have people who know who Jimi Hendrix was. I mean, that's a sound that will never die. Absolutely. Absolutely. And th- and those are both people that, like, you know, when you talk about Josh from our band, I mean, there are people that were huge influences on him for playing guitar. And they're people he still references. And so I don't think the blues element is ever really going to completely go away from Mammothor. It just kind of goes into hiding here and there and then pops back out. Yeah, yeah, just like just like it kind of like reemerges, but uh, I'm, absolutely, you know. I mean, um, blues is one of my all time favorites. Uh, you know, when I when I just want to chill, if I uh, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I want I want to drink a beer, or whatever you know, turn on turn on some blues and just get that. That's the kind of music I actually get lost in. 
you know, if you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Well, it's all it's all in feel too. Yeah. I mean, it, you really you really feel it when you listen to it. If if you're actively listening and not just kind of passively, it, actually, it's not the kind of music you can put in the background and passively listen to very well. Um, and I think that's another thing that stands out between a lot of the greats and a lot of stuff that's a passing fad is you can't just put it on in the background and do something else without like your focus keeps shifting back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, as much as, uh, I, I love rock and metal, I really can't mm-hmm. get lost in that kind of music. It has for me, it has to be blues. I mean, other people pro- probably can, but I just can't. I think it's, I think it's all about the situation. I think it's about your background with music. I think it, it involves yeah. a lot of things, kind of what you can get lost in. A lot of people, man, they still, they're still in the physical media and everything where you have something tangible that you can touch and hold. You can take out the lyrics and look at them. And it's so different than like looking at a screen on your phone oh, and yeah. just going, okay, bury the motive, let no one out alive. Okay. Yeah. I got the lyrics. Or if you have like a full album and you can take that artwork out and look at it in great, big, beautiful color, Oh, it's, yeah. it's a totally different feeling, man. If you if you're ever a kid and laying there on your floor, which I think most musicians were, and like listening to your favorite record or, or or cassette or CD or whatever, and pulling all that out and pouring through it and going through the credits and wow, they recorded this at this studio, and even if it doesn't mean anything to you at the time, it's uh, that was part of the whole experience that at least for me got into my DNA early so i still like to get my physical media and stuff when i can although it's a lot harder to find a cd player these days my car doesn't have one so (laughs) i mean you're talking to somebody who's uh, still kind of got his mind fixed on uh on cassette tapes (laughs) now it's hard it's harder to find a cd player Should we, uh, should we put our next one out on eight track? Do you think, or, uh, Oh man. Uh, Oh, wow. You know what an eight track is? (laughs) Well, I've, I've seen them. I used to like to play with them a lot. My dad had some old ones that used to sit out in our garage. Yeah. I remember looking at them. I don't think I ever had a vehicle that they worked in or anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Coming up uh, in the f- in the future, though, I, I got to ask you, um, as far as uh, when do you think you'll be releasing uh, the next track? Well, uh, it's funny you should ask. So um, we got a remix of Bury the Motive that's coming out in July. Um, that'll be, I think, I want to say it was around like July, July 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a remix of the song, which is a completely different vibe, something we tried on this album. Um, if you buy our new album, which by the way is called the ecstasy of silence, the agony of dreams, a very long title that I happen to come up with. Um, it actually comes with a lot of bonus tracks. We have an acoustic version of a song called trial by fire. We have a remix of a song called parasomnia. We have a remix of bury the motive. And then we have instrumental versions of all the tracks that all come on a nice little download card along with the CD. Um, so that comes out in July and then next weekend, on the 25th, we're shooting another video for a song called Parasomnia, which is a complete departure from all this. Um, it, that was written musically by our bass player, Lori. And uh, it made for such a nice different vibe because it's, it's not based just around these heavy riffs. It's based around the bass guitar. And then it really allowed me to open up on the vocals and do some stuff that was more vibey. Um, it's got a lot of whispery vocals and then it's got, big beautiful soaring choruses 
So we're going to shoot this video. And if it turns out right, it's going to be kind of haunting, pretty ugly, kind of a lot of those uh, kind of disparities in, in theme that I love with, with art. You know, I love things that are beautiful and ugly, quiet and loud. I, I like the, the opposites, you know, and I, and if this turns out right, it's going to have a lot of that. So I think it'll be really cool and hopefully move the needle for us. In that case, that song, I'm guessing probably going to be out around like August, September, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It should, should be interesting for sure. For looking sure. For, looking forward to that. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Now I got, uh, just a couple more questions here. I got to ask one that, uh, just because of the crazy fucked up answers I get, this is one of my favorite questions. Now, okay. this doesn't matter if uh, you're playing some dirty dive bar, some shithole out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, <laughs> that holds a maximum capacity of 25 people if you're lucky, or say, okay. say you just booked out Madison Square Garden. The venue doesn't sure. matter. What's okay. the craziest thing you think you've witnessed while performing on stage? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I've heard some stories, I so <laughs> I don't even know. Like, man, I don't know. Um, well, I, I mean, well, it's not the craziest thing ever. But I remember we used to when we were on tour with Head PE. Um, we were in Rochester, New York, and it was our last night on the tour. And um, there were a lot of great people in the crowd, man. But there were some kind of rough uh juggalo <laughs> types i guess i don't know but like during that during that tour like we used to play um a song that we still sometimes play out now called uh this is not an exit and we used to do uh, a snippet of the song uh, chop suey by system of a down and we usually break into it and the crowd would light up and it would be great and they'd be singing along and it would be so cool and then but for whatever reason this night when we broke into it this one guy was like not having it at all and he was he was though he was like more offended it was like you took a shit on his wedding cake you know <laughs> at his wedding or i mean he's like just screaming at the top of his lungs like no no and like trying to fight his way up to the front i'm like what is going am i gonna like you know and i remember i was talking to josh afterwards too he's like I was getting ready to jump off the stage and just like crack that guy over the head. And I was getting ready for a fight and stuff too. I'm like, this is the weirdest freaking thing ever that this guy is like that deeply offended that we played what I thought was a pretty good little, it's a snippet of a cover, man. We played like a minute of the song, just kind of trying to rile people up and give them something they recognize, you know, but this guy was not having it. And I spent pretty much the rest of the night, even at the merch table, like kind of looking out of one corner of my eye going like, am I going to get in a fight over here? But it never materialized. He might've even got kicked out of the club afterwards. I think he was getting rowdy with everybody, but yeah, it was weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, final question. Let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early twenties approach you and tell you they're going to start a band. What advice do you think you'd give them? Don't No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, uh, pull your money together, pull your resources together and get into a studio with a good engineer, a good producer. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you have to get in with uh, somebody that costs thousands and thousands of dollars, but get in there with somebody that, that does this for a living that will give you, um, 
impartial advice and will be hired to work on your behalf to just help you mold and shape the songs to, to be the best that they can be. I think that if you uh, just try to do everything homebrew, you're kind of, it, it becomes a little bit to me of, uh, of a circle jerk kind of thing where you fall in love with your own parts and uh, you can e very easily lose sight of what's actually making a song better. Or if you've been making a mistake that you can miss some of those mistakes. I think you'd have to be extremely, extremely rare and probably good at this to do a stellar, stellar job of doing everything yourself. Um, that would probably be the biggest bit of advice I would give anybody. And uh, just to make sure that whatever you're doing, that you're doing it, you know, in part that you like it. Um, and I know that sounds kind of dumb, but I think some people only cater to what they think other people might like. And it's probably artistically not that satisfying, even if it becomes commercially satisfying. But again, everybody's different, man. Some people, maybe that's all it takes to satisfy them. But, uh, you know, I think that you should truly do your best to make sure that you're happy with, with whatever the art is that you're making. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are just about out of time and I really appreciate your time here on the show. We're going to hit a music set here soon. Going to uh, play three more songs by Mammothor. But, uh, before uh, we get to that, uh, why don't you, uh, go ahead and uh, give yourself a plug work in the fans. Find Mammothor. You got a website, got, uh, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, social media, all, all that good shit. Yes. Well, we just relaunched our website at mammothor.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-O-R.com. Uh, still a work in progress. Got a few more updates that need to be done, but it's looking good. And uh, we're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, Spotify, we're doing great iTunes, Apple Music, just make sure you follow us anywhere you can. Uh, and if you want to buy the album physically, you can either hit us up directly or you can go to bullmoose.com for Bull Moose Music. They carry our CDs both in stores and online. And uh, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate everybody who's taken the time to listen to us and enjoys the music. we got more coming. I'm, we're in the studio right now working on album four. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Well, Travis, hey, I, I do appreciate your time, and I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Same to you, Billy, and happy seven years. Thank you very much. All right. And there you have the interview with Travis Lowell. It was awesome talking to him. Time to go to the first music set of the show, and uh, we got three more songs by Mammothor, plus we got Boba Flex and... Jack Perro in the mix. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? I remembered the.
with Stacy Rios. I'm here to talk about Stacy's Taco. Stacy Rios Taco. Try it today. Everyone's on the diet. The new Stacy's Taco diet that tastes great and has zero calories. Who here has tried Stacy's Taco? I was never a big taco eater until I tried Stacy's Tacos. Stacy's Taco tastes great and has zero calories. I lost 25 pounds trying Stacy's Taco. Stacy's Taco will keep you coming back for more. Stacy Rio's Taco. Try it today.
and stickers should build backpack Can't scroll through And Junior told me slice Then I might rap tracks Mad Max My cock make you put your fucking amp on And if it's too loud You better buy a fucking tampon It's back on It's like I never fucking left Well I didn't I've just been pussy on your streets But it's okay Calm down Reach for the lasers Pop the fucking eyes And cross fight the fighters Yes who's back in Yeah.
there is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but also millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all your support. At MyPillow, we have hundreds of products now, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We are offering the best products ever for the best prices ever. Mike Lindell is a true patriot who loves America, and we support Mike. Please visit MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials box and use promo code OUTLAW for all Mike's great discounts. Or call 1-800-652-3982. And remember to use promo code OUTLAW. 
And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray product. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. There are also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number two, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men men again. Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit. Fuck the fucking shit. Fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit. The shit. Fuck shit. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the way it is sometimes. I got something for y'all. That's a southern thing. I'll just use it once. Just at the y'all one time. Got something here for y'all. We're giving away 10 one-month Caravan to Midnight subscriptions for those who are listening on Facebook. Share the stream and tag five friends. Or email your name and telephone number to info at caravantomidnight.com. I'm serious, C-A-R-A-V-A-N-T-O-M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. Do not use the number two. Do not spell midnight without the G and the H, okay? You must. Also, subscribe to Caravan to Midnight using voucher ARC Midnight. One word, capital A, and capital M. Download instructions on HTTPS colon double slash caravan to midnight dot com. Not triple dub. H-double-T-P-S, colon, double slash, caravanandmidnight.com. How to subscribe. It's the top banner. I don't need that. I don't need to read the instructions. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that. Maybe that's true. But I think you should. I really think you should. And I want to give a shout-out to some young, some young Turks. They're not Turkish. But I, I don't think they are. But I want to give a shout-out to Bad Billy, Mr. Freeze, Chris Master, guys over at Outlaw Radio, I uh, very happily accepted their invitation to come on their program earlier in the evening, Outlaw Radio, in observance of their third anniversary, so happy birthday, and you're doing good work, got a nice long road ahead of you, and your work is going to get better and better and better as you go along, so check them out sometime, you'll enjoy what they have to bring to the party. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot, you must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Mammothor with Novocaine. Before that, Jack Perro with Trouble in Paradise, which is our uh, intro song. Before that... Mammothor with Take the World. Before that, Bubbleflex with Bury Me With My Guns On. And starting off the whole set, Mammothor with M-O-A-B. 
And uh, yes, uh, shout out to Sean O'Donnell. Thank you very much for setting up the interview with uh, Travis Lowell. And uh, again, uh, Travis, thank you very much for stepping up and uh, giving us uh, a few minutes of your time here. All right, in just a little bit, you're going to hear the interview with uh, the first ever Australian fighter to join the UFC. Before that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Robin Folsom out of Georgia. What did she do? Well, she faked a pregnancy so she could get some paid time off. Yeah, that's considered fraud, and uh, I believe that's some jail time right there. Not too smart. All right, enough on that. It's time to go to Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion with special guest, Elvis Sinisic out of Australia. Here we go. Boxing. It'll be scored as a knockout. It's all over. We've got a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. Kickboxing. Martial Arts. Professional Wrestling. And apparently Hell in a Cell match is officially underway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Knuckle up and throw down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion for the seven-year anniversary special. It is my pleasure to welcome the first ever Australian to ever compete in the UFC. That would be the king of rock and rumble, Elvis Sinisic. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um... I, I got to tell you a little story here, Elvis. Um, I remember I got a videotape. It was in uh, 1998, about a year after the event happened. I was watching a special event that took place in Australia. It was an eight-man tournament. And um, I remember watching, of course, I had to watch it because Mario Sperry was one of my favorite fighters at that time. And um, But I'm looking at this gentleman by the name of Chris Hazeman. And I'm thinking, you know, that dude's probably going to be the first ever Australian to, be, to ever be in the UFC. And boy, was I wrong. Of course, you fought in that tournament. You fought him that night. And, of course, uh, that didn't look too comfortable the way uh, he jammed your chi his chin into your eye. But uh, nonetheless, that was a pretty good night of fights, I think. Yeah, it was a great night of action. First time. Uh, we had a professional MMA event uh, in Australia. Uh, at the time, it was called the Australasian UFC, but obviously due to uh, legal issues, 
that got renamed. So uh, I'm guessing you had a VHS tape. Yep. It would have been called Caged Combat. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I got. But there's also something, I don't know if you're aware of this, Elvis. There is something about that event, too, that I will never forget. Is uh, during uh, one of the intermissions when they had uh, the cage dancers in there. The cage girls, yep. Yeah, one of one of them there, their boob fell out, and it's it was right there on TV. I don't know if you I heard about that one. Sadly, yeah. I didn't get to experience the first <laughs> first end, but um, it was a one of many firsts for that event. Um, I also had the ref cam, the the camera on the referee. Um, so you probably noticed that on the um. Yeah, I remember that. I'm surprised um, it doesn't get used more. Yeah, I think um, when they did that bully beatdown with Jason Mayhem Biller, uh, John McCarthy did wear one for for that show, and I think they have used it a couple of times in the UFC. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't recall them using it very much at all. Um, maybe a couple of times in Pride fighting, I I think, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's popped up occasionally. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. It gives a um a real first hand perspective of what's going on inside the um the, the octagon. So you know, it is what it is. Yes. Now, t uh, talking about uh, the time you uh, came into the UFC, what's important to note about uh, your first. UFC experience was the very first show that uh, Dana White and the Fertitas had taken over at that time. If uh, you know that, but uh, prior to that event, were you in any kind of nego negotiations with Bob Meyerowitz and trying to get into the UFC? So um, I'll go back a little bit just so and give you a bit of um, background on how I got into the UFC and what I was doing. Uh -huh. So the internet wasn't what it was today. Yeah. You know, there was no no YouTube, no Facebook, none of that. Um, there was like forums or bulletin boards, uh, chat groups, and what was called mailing lists. So um, a mailing list is where all these people s subscribe. Uh, it goes into a central database and then that your message goes in and then it goes out to everyone. Um, so they had two versions, the live and the digest, because obviously I was in um, Australia, so most of the people were in the US. I was in the, um, the it was called the combat list, and I was at the digest version. So every time I'd get turn up to work the next day, I'd pull up my digest and you know, have all the conversations that were happening. So I'd kind of look through it, reply to certain ones. And it's how we kind of kept in touch with what was going around the world. Now, there are a couple of people on that list who I got to know. One of them became uh, the promoter of, um, oh, shit, I can't remember the event. Um, Was it John Peretti? Later, later on became TKO, which is the event that G GSP came out of. Oh, okay. Uh, and then there was also a young uh, young man on there called Joe Silva. Oh, yeah. And he was um, working with uh, the UFC, so he was uh, helping the matchmaker, very well informed about the Japanese 
circuits, so he knew all uh, rings, pancreas, all that sort of stuff, um, shudo, everything that was going on in Japan, plus very well versed on um, <clears throat> the local US circuits such as hook and shoot and things like that. So I got to know these guys, and I'm, and I'm trying to remember the um, the order that this all happened. <laughs> so um, I ended up back in 98 um, fighting in Ring. So 97, I fought in the Australasian UFC. Awesome experience. 98, got the opportunity to go to Japan, put in rings against um, Kiyoshi Tabura, who was their number one guy. Um, got some experience out of that. Uh, ended up going to, um, or not fighting internationally for two years, basically because the sport was still new. Yeah. Motors really weren't paying money to fly people over. So kind of the career kind of sidelined. Then back in uh, 2000, I got a call from um, uh, Frank Shamrock's manager. And he's like, look, looking for an opponent for, for a K1 for an MMA match. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they kind of go, look, we're, we're kind of looking at people. Um, most likely we're going to go with the Japanese opponent, but we're looking at different options. So they kind of said, well, look, we'll get back to you. And they, they, they didn't get back to me. Um, but obviously through the um, full contact fighter newspaper and the mailing list, kind of saw that they tried to get Tamora. They tried to get um, um, a couple of other guys, a couple of pride fighters. Um, and everything just kind of fell through at the last second. So I got a phone call about 10 to 14 days before the event. Look. Are you still keen to fight? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I haven't actually been training to fight, but I'm willing to jump in. So I took the fight, flew to Japan, ended up fighting Frank Shamrock. It was a very good competitive uh, match. Good But fight. ended up going to decision, which I lost. So that was, um, I think, around September, I can August, September, I think. I actually have your record right here in front of me, and I will tell you that was, let's see, when, when you fought Frank Shamrock, that was, yeah, December of 2000. Yeah, 2000. Um, and one of the things he told me during that match was, you know, um, uh, sorry, before the match, wouldn't talk to me. Game face on, wouldn't interact with me, and I'm just like, Fanboy, I'm like, hey, oh mm -hmm. wow, Frank Shamrock, awesome to meet you. Uh, this is pretty cool. Um, and I fought previously, I believe, in October um, with um, uh, the event where I fought for the world title against Dave Benito. Ended up being a draw. Um, but after the event, uh, Frank Shamrock opened up. He was like, hey, you know, um, fantastic fight give you all the kudos, he goes, what I do is I break people and I couldn't break you. You know, basically it was a compliment. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. And then he goes, look, I know you want to get into the UFC. I can give you any advice. It's don't fright uh, Jeremy Horn. So I'm like, oh, why is that? And he goes, look, 
Jerry's, Jeremy's one of the most skilled and talented guys out there. If you lose to him, your career's over because no one will remember you. If you're beating, no one's going to care because he has no real title or he's not a big name, even though he's kind of very well known. <coughs> now, obviously, that's kind of changed over the years, but at the time, it was a very risky venture. Funnily enough, January, you get a phone call. I think it was something like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. I wake up, phone's ringing, international number. I'm like, what the hell? Hello, who is it? Joe Silva. He's like, hey, you know, um, I'm now the matchmaker of the UFC. Zoop have taken over. Um, we had a match for Tito for the title. But, um, no, sorry, not for Tito, for um, Jeremy Horn. the number one contender match. He goes, supposed to fight Cafe Dante. He's got a staph infection, big hole in his leg. Um, we can't find a replacement. Uh, but you're willing to fight? I'm like, oh, when's the event? I think it was approximately, again, 10 to 14 days away. <laughs> wow. Like, um, are you willing to do it? And I'm like, well, my goal was always to get in the UFC, so I'm not going to turn it down. So I went back to sleep, woke up the next morning and went, oh, I had the weirdest dream. <laughs> I, I dreamt that I got into the UFC. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was just um, random. And I never thought to check the phone. I went into work, I'm at work, jump on the computer, pull up my emails, getting ready to, to go through my combat list. And I see an email from Joe Silva and I'm like, he's never emailed me directly. We've chatted a lot on the combat list. That's how I got to know him, um, got on really well. And I'm like, oh, this is a UFC email address. I opened it up uh, and it's like, thanks for taking the fight with Jeremy Hall. And I'm like, Holy shit, what have I done? <laughs> so I called up my coach and I'm like, ah, hey, Anthony, uh, I got a surprise for you. He's like, what? Because I'm fighting the UFC. And he goes, oh, awesome. How much time do we have? And I go, about 10 days. Oh, probably, I'm sorry, no, about a week before we have to fly out. And he's like, oh, well, all right, no problem. So we pretty much spent a week working on a specific category, uh, sorry, um, strategy for. Uh, Jeremy Horn, and next you know, I'm flying over to the U.S. and uh, competing in the UFC. <laughs> yes, yes, and it uh, definitely worked out in your favor because um, obviously you had uh, you had reach on Jeremy. I mean, Jer Jeremy's a Jeremy's a formidable opponent. You can no oh, doubt again, yeah, super one of the most skilled guys out there. Like yeah. he fought Minotaur and Aguera, Anderson Silva. Um, Ridiculous amount of fights on the local circuit. Choked out um, Chuck Liddell. So, you know, he was no slouch yeah. um, at all. As um, Frank said, one of the most skilled guys out there that doesn't get the recognition for, you know, what he's done and achieved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, I actually got the opportunity to meet him myself when he fought uh, when I lived in uh, Reno, Nevada. At an event, mind you, that uh, had a capacity of of probably a thousand, and they sold less than a hundred. And it, oh man, it was it, yeah, the attendance was horrible. But I guess uh, the good thing out of that though is um, I could only afford at the time one of the economy seats, 
they said, there's nobody sitting ringside. Why don't you just go on up there? And I'm like, oh, I'll take it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually, uh, that night, uh, Jeremy had fought Chael Sonnen uh, the second time in his his career and, and once again beat him. Of course, Chael, is, Chael has always been the same. Um, you know, been kind yeah. of mouthy and all that. He, oh, he was pissed when Jeremy beat him for the second time. But uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you how good Jeremy was. Yeah. Which uh, actually brings up an interesting story from my fight with Jeremy. So, um, being in Australia, and again, no internet, uh, or no, sorry, no real internet other than chat lists and stuff like that, um, we used to get the full... Uh, full contact fighter news newsletter. Now it was a paper. Oh newspaper. yeah. I had a subscription. Before, before it was a website or anything like that, but we would always get it after the event because <laughs> they'd come out. But by the time they'd fly over via mail and stuff like that, the event had happened. So we'd always be reading it um, behind. It was kind of interesting because we got to have a look at what people were previewing, what their thoughts were, and how it actually played out. So it was like, okay, this is cool. So obviously when I went to um, uh, New Jersey, so the match was um, the Taj Mahal, um, from Taj Mahal, again, another interesting connection yeah. there. Yep. Um, so when I went over there, and it was obviously the first time I met uh, Joe in person. I met Josh, the photographer. Met Dana White. I had a lot of good um, friends. Plus, a, a lot of the um, the admin staff. I spent a lot of time in the office just because um, I was just so enamoured to be there. And sitting in the office and chatting to the office staff, fighters would constantly come in, so I'd get to meet all these fighters and stuff. So anyway. It was the first time I got to read a full contact fighter before the event. And it was only a couple of days. Oh, no, it was about, I think I got there about five days before my fight. <coughs> Picked up the full contact fighter about four days before my fight. What do you know? There was, um, they had the main and co-main event previewed. So they had coaches and fighters giving their breakdown and, um, call on who was going to win the match. So I looked at Tito versus Evan Tanner, and it was split 50-50 back then. You know, obviously, Evan had a good career in Japan, a very dangerous fighter. Because he was a clinch fighter, they thought, a lot of people thought he might be able to counter Tito in the clinch. So it was very balanced on, on the sport on those two guys. When we came down to the co-main event, my match, 100% of the coaches and fighters picked Jeremy Horn. Oh. Pretty much nearly everyone picked Jeremy by submission in under three minutes. Can I say something? Sure. G guilty. <laughs> I did I mean, I, I did know who you were, but uh, I didn't think, yeah. you know, obviously I knew uh, more about Jeremy Horn. But I, I yeah. sorry, I underestimated you, Elvis. No, no, no. It was understandable again, because even my fights in uh, against Frank <coughs> weren't live streamed. I don't believe at the time, so you had to wait for the VHS. The footage of my rings match against Tamora was 
very hard to find. Um, my fight against Benito got lost because um, a lot of shit went down at that event um, and I ended up losing the footage, so I never got my hands on it. So there wasn't much out there on me. Obviously, people had heard about me but not really seen a lot. So it was actually good for me. Um, but one of the things I said was I turned to my coach and I went, they've said I've sub I'm going to lose in under three minutes. My goal is to submit him in under three minutes. So <clears throat> two minutes, 59 seconds, uh, tap out by triangle armbar. Yeah, you did great in that fight. Um, I do want to backtrack a little bit, Elvis. Is, um, sure. Being, uh, being in Australia, too, I could... <laughs> I mean, here in the U.S., when I first discovered the UFC and Jiu-Jitsu, mind you, uh, I can say that my training saved my life because, you know, I kind of I was going down the wrong path, spiraling down, doing uh, methamphetamines and things like that. And, then, you know, took uh, a friend of mine showing me a different way that made me want to quit that lifestyle. And he, and he showed me the UFC and Hoist Gracie and all that, you know. But at the time where I lived... Uh, there wasn't very much training here uh, here in the state of Idaho. If you wanted to learn real jiu-jitsu, you had to either go to California or New York at the time. And then, um, you know, all I could get was uh, VHS tapes from uh, Henzo Gracie or, uh, you know, Mario Sperry or, you know, uh, that was available. And uh, then I decided I I'd start college that same year. And I came to this city where I live now, Twin Falls, Idaho, and um, I wasn't too far from uh, Pedro Sauer. He was located in Salt Lake City, and of course, he's a black belt under uh, Hicks and Gracie, but there was a karate kung fu uh, guy here in the Magic Valley the whole time. Um, he, of course, he practiced martial arts his whole life, but then uh, for the previous two years he had been going to pedro and at that time to become an instructor all you needed was a blue belt to start teaching jiu-jitsu so we're here in twin falls it was actually a bit ahead of the time here because he actually had the only jiu-jitsu school at that time here in the state of idaho so that's where i started training australia from what i understand kind of had you know kind of some of the same roads to rough roads to begin with maybe Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, that's uh, that's correct. Um, <coughs> apologies. Um, no problem. Um, so we kind of had the same thing. Um, so there was a, a magazine called Blitz, um, which was owned by John Will, and it was a, it was just a your general martial arts magazine. So it had you know it was predominantly karate kung fu um, type magazine. But John Will, the owner, kind of used it because he was a martial artist himself to travel around the world and train in different styles of martial arts. So, you know, he'd gone to um, Indonesia, fought in the Salat, uh, trained in Salat, fought in the Salat World Championships, became a Salat World Champion, ended up going to India, wrestling in the pits of India um, with the knuckle dusters and all sorts of crazy stuff there and around that time there was a guy uh can't remember his name pedro or something like that as a brazilian come over to australia and had posted a challenge 
a $50,000 challenge. You put up 50000 I put up 50000 We fight, winner takes all. And John's like, oh, this looks interesting. You know, he's a fighter, um, you know, Salat world champion, trained in various martial arts. He's like, well, this could be interesting. But he was also very educated, so very structured. He didn't like to jump in. So he's like, well, what does this guy do? Oh, he's Brazilian. That's something called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Had never heard of it before. You know, this was in the night. It had, um, so he ended up going um, to Brazil to find out about it. Ended up going to Grace Baja, trained there for a bit. Uh, ended up, sorry, just give me a second. <laughs> Take care of your canine. <laughs> Sorry, normally we have a dog door, but because it's winter, it's all closed up. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, he ended up going to Brazil, training there, got slapped around by a teenage uh, blue belt, you know, 16-year-old or whatever it was, and got beat up grappling. He goes, oh, can we put strikes in? They're like, oh, yeah, well, like slaps. So they put slaps in, and he got beat up even worse because now he got mounted and side-mounted. <laughs> arm wrap got slapped up by the 16 year old and he's like all right i'm not going to be taking this fight um against the pedro no one ended up taking up for anyway um so he ended up coming back bringing back jiu-jitsu to australia and same thing there was um pretty much he was the only person that brought it over um one of his students was a guy peter bean who ended up starting Gracie Baja in Australia, organising the AFBJJ uh, national organisation, but it all comes from John Will. And <coughs> my coach, Anthony Langing, uh, was in Sydney. You know, he'd done a jiu-jitsu seminar, like someone, John came up, did a seminar, loved it, affiliated with him, um, started training and... We were, um, so I discovered jiu-jitsu in the magazines. I was in Canberra. There was no jiu-jitsu schools. Um, I used to do martial arts and stopped while, when I went to university, had graduated. And my first job after graduating, one of my old high school friends was working there. He comes up to me, gives me a tape, VHS tape, UFC 2. Watch this. <laughs> Skinny Brazilian guy, Hoist Gracie, choke everybody out. I'm like, I want to do that. Mm. Obviously, been reading it in Blitz. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. No jiu-jitsu in Canberra. So I end up finding a Jun fan school. So they did stick fighting, Kali, uh, Muay Thai, and uh, grappling. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. It's the only school. I'd done judo as a little kid. Um I was looking for more the grappling rather than your traditional judo. So I started training in that. I was also uh, a professional beach volleyball player moving up and down to Sydney. Ended up deciding to move to Sydney. And it was because so I could play beach professionally. I knew there was a jiu-jitsu school um, near where I played beach volleyball. And I had a girlfriend that lived in Sydney. So ended up moving to Sydney uh, just so I could um, start training. And that obviously was the start of my career and where it kind of steamrolled from there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's been 20 plus years now. I mean, MMA has evolved. I mean, you know, when I uh, was running my previous show and I, I really got involved with the fighters in uh, South Africa and, and just watched how the sport has grown there, you know, it's it's the, the popularity now is off the chain. Um, I was a bit surprised too, like the South African fighters, I kind of knew were a bit uh, behind uh, everybody else, you know, compared to whether it be the U.S. or England or even even Australia, the South Africans were behind, but it did not take them long to catch up. And now, I mean, uh, their their promotion over there, their fighters are phenomenal. Yeah, because well, I remember back in the day, um, they would, didn't have a lot of jiu-jitsu, but they had sumo and wrestling, and there was that um, that big um, South African that went to ADCC yeah. and did very well, uh, Mark Robinson. You know what, isn't it ironic, too, that that night you were in the UFC, you're the first Australian to compete, and at the same time, we got the first South African to compete in the UFC, too. So, yeah. yeah yes. So, Mark Robinson, I, I, I think I've met him in ADCC before, um, but obviously I met him in that UFC as well. But what was really funny, well, not funny, but coincidental, would be years later, I would have a student that came from South Africa actually trained under Mark Robinson. Yeah. So, so, and, um, oh, yeah, he ended up training with us for a few years because uh, he was with the Army, disappeared again, um, then came back a few years ago, started training with me again, um, and, again, because of the Army, he's had to move it off again. But yeah, interesting how small the world is. Yes, yes, indeed. In fact, yeah, you know what they call this, uh, the white South Africans that moved to, to Australia. They call them the Aussie Connors. <laughs> hey, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, because, um, you know, that it's another conversation for another time. But, yeah, it's mostly the uh, those that are migrating over to, to Australia are the uh, Afrikaner people, a lot of them. Yep. Yes. So, uh See, we got got a few minutes left for this segment. Uh, of course, cool. uh, um, talk about. Uh, unfortunately, one of uh, one of your biggest fights was unfortunately ended in a loss uh, against one of the biggest names in the light heavyweight division at the time, and that was Tito Ortiz. I have to be honest with you. I this is just my opinion, Elvis. I. I felt that uh, you were a, you were a bit too overmatched in that fight. I mean, you can disagree with me, but um, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like they threw you to the wolves way too soon. Even though you you had that impressive victory over uh, Jeremy Horn, but uh, yeah, I just I mean, you 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 did get him with a good kick. I remember that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Look. Um Honestly, my entire career was getting thrown in the deep end. You know, I, I fought Frank Shamrock with like three UFC, sorry, three MMA fights under my belt. Um, maybe four, you know. I um, fought Jeremy Horn. I fought Tito Ortiz. All, literally, it was um, Beneto, which was a heavyweight fight. I'm not even a heavyweight. Then it was Frank Shamrock, then Jeremy Horn, then Tito Ortiz. So it was like, it's not like I was taking easy fights anywhere. You were not. Um, along the road. Oh, interesting point, though. The um, 
Matt Rocker, who I fought in my first ever event, actually had Frank Shamrock in his corner. Again, it's another one of those um, MMA coincidences that I would see him in the corner and I kind of met him briefly before Matt, but would end up fighting him like, you know, two years later uh, or three years later at K1. But yeah, you know, again, the Tito issue was um, at the time he was the biggest name in the sport. Um, Jeremy was supposed to beat me because he was the number one contender that they wanted um, to push. <coughs> the number two guy was Cave Dante, but he'd been dealing with staff and still hadn't recovered. Um, and they were looking for, I mean, they were looking for an opponent for him. So, you know, I went home, um, talked to my coach, and we're like, we watched Tito just dismantle Tanner, and we're like, you know what? Um, we're going to need some time. We're going to take some matches, build up to it. I believed I had the skill set behind it. I just needed more conditioning, strength work, um, strategy, and all that sort of stuff to kind of build up to, obviously, a, a world title level. Um, what ended up happening, Joe Silver contacted me. He said, look, we're trying to find a title fight for Tito. Nobody wants to take the match. We can't find anyone. Um, who's keen to do it, are you willing to step up? You go, you know, you beat Jeremy. I've never turned down something like that. So I went, you know what, what the hell? I'm going to do it. Give it to me. I believed I had the skill set to beat him. It just came down to whether I could pull off the game plan. <coughs> um, I had a little bit more time this time. I had about six weeks uh, to prepare. So, you know, I kind of went out, trained hard, Took a month off from, um, my job, focused nothing on training, and obviously um, it didn't go the way I wanted. Um, but even it, during the fight, I still felt there were opportunities for the, there for me to beat him at certain times. I just didn't capitalize or even realize. Because um, Tito told me afterwards, one of the kicks that landed on him that he checked, he goes, that was one of the most painful kicks he'd ever felt. Oh, I saw the and, look on his face. I, I mean, and there was a massive egg on his leg afterwards, which he showed me. But at the time, it didn't register for me. I thought, oh no, I've kicked him a couple of times, and because kicking was one of my strengths. Um, you ever saw my um, shamrock fight? Whenever I was standing, I was moving around the ring, throwing lead and rear round kicks and. Um, so I use them quite strategically. I kind of use them and be switching left and right to catch him off guard. Almost caught him um, with one of my left switch kicks, um, but they weren't working. And my plan actually was to wrestle with Tito because uh, I've been working some wrestling and takedowns, and I'm like, if I can put him on his back, I got a good chance. The first time I clinched up. Everything went out the window. I'm like, there is no way I'm wrestling with this guy. He felt like wrestling a house. <laughs> like he was solid. Like I could tell by the way he, he grabbed how strong he was, um, the way he was moving me that I may be able to stall. But there was no way I was taking him down. And if I messed around for too long, 
he was going to drop me on my head the same way he did Tanner. So I actually ended up switching strategy and pulling guard. Um, even on the groundwork, at one point, I tried to bait him into a half guard pass to, to try and take his back, and I almost got it. But even I it was kind of like um, a momentary pause. I'm like, oh, shit, it's working. <laughs> oh, I better react. And he kind of realized and packed off. So then he stopped trying to pass the guard and just went uh, to the ground and pound. Now, the ground and pound wasn't bothering me, even though I was throwing big elbows, because I'd been practiced rolling with shots off the ground. Because I was trying to kind of take what I'd been learning in boxing with rolling with shots and see if I could apply it on my groundwork by keeping my shoulders up, trying to roll with the shots. And it was kind of working, but then one of these elbows just gets through my guard and I think I actually rolled into it. Yeah, he was and good was at the, that. It was, the, it was the big one that split me up. Now, up until that point, he'd been pre-measured. When it hit me, I'd actually threw me back and I made a big, big kind of expulsion of air, not like a scream or anything, but it was obvious that that shot had impacted. And obviously, about half a second later, it started spurting blood and he saw that. So he started to unload. He just opened up. I started trying to roll with the shots, um, trying to get the blood out of my eyes. And I kind of, I then started to try to punch back from the bottom to try and defend. But by that point, as I started doing that, the referee was already jumping in. So kind of didn't go the way I'd hoped. And um, But man, what an absolutely awesome experience was. It was also back in the day when we had the ramp. I had my laser intro. I had a throne on the stage. <laughs> that was awesome. I All his fireworks and everything. And I'm just glad I got to experience that because nowadays, without being rude, a lot of the entrances are very lame. They're very focused <laughs> on trying to be, you know, more professional, more like boxing. But honestly, I, I think the big stage entrances – really made a difference for the main events. My opinion, um, it doesn't change the fight or anything, but it got the crowd involved. I had a lot of people that when they saw my entrance, start cheering for me. People who had no idea who I am. Come out, I'm sitting on this big throne, got my hood down, get up, shadow boxing, head down. People are like, oh, awesome. But what can you do? <laughs> yes. Oh man, I, I know you've got a lot of stories to tell, but uh, sadly, well, maybe with the show and um, uh, as you said, yeah, I've got yeah so many like yeah. I got to get them out before my sick TE kicks in and I lose it all. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we are unfortunately out of time for this segment. Um, got to hit the upcoming music set. Uh, before we do that, Elvis. If you could, please uh, give yourself a plug. you got uh, social media. you got a website out there. Uh, go ahead. Yep. So I'm on pretty much all social, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I'm actually very active on Twitter. So if you, if you look up Elvis Sinistic on Twitter, I'm always chatting and discussing things, all sorts of stuff from politics to nutrition to fighting. 
So if you want to check it out, follow me, please jump on. I um, have two schools. I have King's Academy of my of martial arts, which is my primary school. I also own uh, UFC Gym MacArthur Square. So I'm staying active. I've got fighters. Um, always um, busy in the community. Going to comp- comps, hopefully, once all this COVID stuff kind of gets put behind us, we get back over to the U.S., uh, get back to the, the Masters World Championships, start competing again. I've got a couple of silver and bronzes. I haven't picked up my gold, so I really want that gold. So jump on social, follow me, keep an eye on my journey, and always remember, it's good to be the key. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, Elvis, I appreciate your time, and I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And there you have the interview with the king of rock and rumble, Elvis Sinisic. All right, it's time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we have Anchored with Snoop Dogg, going to be followed by Sepsis, Gina Serrano, Man of War, and Monty Garrison. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Come on if I fart. You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. Anchor. Big Snoop Dogg. Oh, boy. Pass me my moonshine, nephew. Ha-ha! Yeah! You're about to witness something you never thought you witnessed before! Oh! Rock out with your motherfucking cock out! Go, 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 go! Pulling into town to see all my friends Hit a bottle of Jack and a few dead ends Scenes, the director, connector, fired up in the wintertime. 
I'm throwing down till I hit the finish line. I never quit. Yeah, this another hit. Oh, bitch, nigga, I created this. I made a grip and took a chip and roller coaster, took a trip and take a picture. Look at this, look at this. And you can see what I see. I mix a bag of that coffee with a sack of that weed. Enter through your mind and put you at ease. And you can tell it because it smells like a gang of Christmas trees. Compelling to read. See, I'm a felon indeed. I like my weed with no seeds. Break down. It's to throw down, go down, you know how we roll. You ain't gonna end the dog, man. Hello, Supermarkets worldwide. Are you tired of having the same old soft drink day after day, week after week, year after year? Well, the makers of Mountain Dew have solved that problem. It's Dolly Parton's Titty Sweat. Direct from the titties of Dolly Parton and freshly squeezed, too. And yes, it's 100% natural and great tasting, too. It's Dolly Parton's Titty Juice. Now available for only $19.99 a can and available at supermarkets worldwide.
jobs for the woman I am I work real hard for the things I have Just doing the best I can Sometimes I drink too much And I get real loud But I live the life I want Ain't nothing holding me down If that's all a little too much for you Just keep on moving down the road Cause I ain't got nothing to prove I've loved with all my heart And had it stopped on the ground I'm laughing so hard till I cry Hit my knees when I'm feeling down Don't make no excuses for the things I've done And I'm proud, yeah You'll see on your TV screen But it took me such a long time To love the woman I see Can't tell you that I don't Have any regrets But I take them all as lessons learned And keep them in the past You don't have to like me, I understand But that don't mean I'm gonna change Just to make you care I've loved
starlit sky No space No time We'll catch the wind Strange losses Men died We crossed the starlit sky And still no space
welcome me today Community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic, is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org 
At some point, you're going to want to consider this. If a national emergency or a natural disaster or even civil unrest should occur, where would you go? Seriously, where? Heading into the sticks with some MREs in a tent might be all right for a week or two, but then what? And who's around you? Who can help you if you need it? And how long would you last without the security and comfort of your own home? If you've asked yourself these questions, consider X-Point. Located in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, a limited number of military-grade hardened shelters originally built by the U.S. government. 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, 12 and a half foot ceilings that you can custom build out to your own tastes. X-Point, a nine-square-mile city of like-minded people who know that the best way to deal with the disaster is to distance yourself from it. If you've always wanted a real bug-out bunker with the amenities of home, send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com or text to 817-900-2424. X-Point, X marks your spot. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jiggs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. Did you know that the majority of Idaho's Republican leadership do not even support the Idaho Republican Party platform? I know it makes no sense, but it's true. Ask them for yourself. Ask Tom Luna, the Idaho Republican Party director, if he would be willing to sign his name in agreement to the published Idaho Republican Party platform. In fact, most of Idaho's Republican elected leaders like Governor Brad Little, Speaker Scott Bedke, Attorney General Lawrence Wasden, Senators Jim Risch, Mike Crapo and Congressman Mike Simpson simply do not support the Republican Party platform. And if you think that they do, then just ask them. Ask them to publicly sign their name in full support to the published Idaho Republican Party platform. Sure, you might support the Idaho Republican platform, but the Idaho Republican leadership doesn't. That's a major disconnect, and it's one we need to change. Get rid of the rhinos in 2022. I'm Ammon Bundy, and I approve this message. 
walls of a nondescript building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! 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 Welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot, you must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Monty Garrison with Horseshoe Bend. Before that, Man of War with Battle Him. Before that, Gina Serrano with The Woman I Am. Before that, Sepsis to Write Hate in His Arms. And starting off the whole set, Anchored with Snoop Dogg and Throwing Down. All right. Moving right along. Yes, indeed. Earlier today, I was uh, talking with the master, Chris Master. Yes, one of my uh, original co-hosts. And uh, yeah, let's uh, hear some news of the weird and take a walk down memory lane. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the seven-year anniversary special of Outlaw Radio. And uh, you know I couldn't do it. Without, of course, the master, Chris Master, good to have you back, even if it's only temporary. What have you been up to? Well, uh, right now, Billy, um, I'm coming to you from my aunt's house because this past a couple weeks ago, um, the air conditioning at my house decided to go out. And, of course, like on cue this week, the... Uh, big old heat wave decided to settle in here to georgia and so since me and my wife and our puppy decided not to have a heat stroke we decided my aunt has graciously taken us in and we're staying with her for a couple of weeks while our ac gets fixed but uh other than that i've been uh just been working like crazy with um rocking waves working on a few projects with it and uh been uh working with uh sport the sports station and the classic rock station so it i've been i've been keeping busy it's uh i'm just glad that i have some time to sit down and uh chat with you and bullshit yes and um and let me just say um you know and you know I can't. It won't. It wouldn't be an outlaw radio anniversary without saying that uh, Bad Billy and um, you know Bad Billy's not really been himself this year, especially since his prom day Betty White died. Not you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, well, is it time? Turn down Moses to go with you, but <laughs> yeah. yes, it is time. This is Outlaw Radio News of the Weird. Newsroom, I am Loose Bowels. Oh, God, that's a horrible thought. Oh, you know it. Yeah, I, I just let my bowels loose a few minutes ago, <laughs> and boy, did it stink. Um, but speaking of Loose Bowels, I. Uh, when Richard Kessar of Shelbyville, Indiana, took his friend John Hoop fishing on the Ohio River last week, 
the goal was for Hoop, John Hoop, to land his first blue catfish. Well, he did. But it, this fish came with the secret toy surprise. A sex toy, to be specific. Yes, sir, told what? Bloomington in do what? What? Uh, Kessar told Bloomington, Indiana, Fox affiliate WXIN, we noticed when we got in the boat that its stomach was huge. At first, he assumed it was because of eggs or maybe some wildlife the fish had eaten. He told the station it's common to find other fish, sometimes turtles, muskrats, and other animals. It wasn't until later in the day that he actually pressed down on the catfish's abdomen and felt two hard objects that he knew couldn't be eggs. When they returned to Kessar's home and cut open the catfish, they discovered what was bulking up the fish's tummy. A foam ball, a part of another fish, and a fairly large-sized dildo. Good or as Lord. For it, the other object. And I'm seeing a picture of it, and I'm I'm wondering how the catfish swallowed it. But um, <laughs> uh, Kessar posted photos of the catfish and that other object on his Facebook page, where it immediately aroused uh, interested to the tune of more than 19,000 shares as of Friday afternoon. It also created some challenges for him as the dad of a three-year-old girl. He told WXIN, when it came out, John, my wife, and I started laughing. My wife immediately covered my daughter's eyes and turned her away from it. <laughs> the daughter keeps asking what it is, but that's probably a conversation for a different time. Kessar told HuffPost via Facebook that Hoop has the catfish, but he didn't think his fishing companion had eaten it yet. Meanwhile, he still has the other object, but probably not for much longer. He said, I don't have any use for it. Um, and for that, we thank him. Um, by the way, Billy, I will send you um, a picture of uh, said object. So you can get a look at it. Well, I'm wondering I'm wondering what color it was before it went in the catfish. I mean, because right now it's brown. Uh. But... Could it have been black or white or could it have been, could it have been brown? You know, you never know. Um, but what I want would want to know is how did the, is how would the catfish poop it out? Uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I don't know unless it's stomach acids, uh, fucking managed to somehow dissolve it. I don't know. Ugh, I mean, that catfish probably would have been full oh. the rest of its life. Or did, well, I don't know how long catfish live for. I mean, it's, yeah, it was, I was going to say probably wouldn't have survived very long. It couldn't have even had it in in, in its system that long if they were, they were to catch it and it was still alive. So, I mean, uh, what I what what interests me is. I mean, it had to have fallen off someone's boat. Why did someone, 
bring their sex toy with them on the boat. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, so they could have sex on the boat. Ha ha ha. But I mean, couldn't? Why couldn't you have waited until you know you get back to your hotel room? I mean, isn't that what hotel rooms are for? <laughs> I mean, they're used to seeing bodily fluids and sex toys. I mean, Jesus. I mean, my wife was telling me about a couple that stayed at the hotel. She was down the hall from them. She could hear them having sex. Ew. And they were there for date for like two or three weeks. And they were, and every day she was on that hall, they'd be having sex. And they'd be loud too. Like the woman would be like saying, give it to me and moaning and. And I'd be like, and I'd be like, what floor are they on? And do they allow cameras in the hotel? I couldn't. Because <laughs> I'd be like, these people need to be on Pornhub or something. As freaky as you're telling me they are. But, <clears throat> yeah, so that's just... I mean, I. T <laughs> but a fish eating a sex toy—that's something. That's that's new. I mean, I wonder if he. I wonder if the catfish thought it was a snapper. Uh, anywho, I mean, it it did snap back. You know, I mean, heck. Yeah. Oh, but man. anyways, folks. With that, it's time for. Shower thoughts. Uh, yeah, got to read a few of them off. Yes, indeed. The Simpsons has been mediocre longer than most high school students have been alive. <laughs> most? Um, let's see here. Um, Simpsons been on the air for 30 years plus. Yeah. Snot is really spider webs for germs in your nose. Ew. Um, let's see. The real universe is billions years ahead in the future compared to what you see in the sky. Um, private detectives must have access to a ton of amateur porn that they can't show anyone. Porn search engines can find instantly five top matches of interest, while job search engines don't come close for the first five pages. Mm. Um, all porn actors and actresses have slept with the colleagues. <laughs> uh, I didn't lose you, did I? And there you probably look forward to traffic. Okay, you're going to have to repeat that one because you cut out. Um, if you're a panhandler, you probably look forward to traffic. <laughs> God. Um, let's see. The, if you flick a coin in space, it will spin forever. <clears throat> Uh, the joy that comes with the first fart after food poisoning is very high on the joy scale. 
Um, divorce alimony is a refund. Um, let's see here. If you have a foot fetish, sandals are lingerie. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, the most appropriate times for boners are inappropriate times. Uh, let's see. Thousands of years later, it is still common practice to mummify our dead. Is it? And, mm, and finally, people with photographic memories can just close their eyes and just remember what they last jacked off to. <laughs> oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> and with that, it, that does it for shower thoughts. All right. So let's take the next few minutes. Let's take a walk down memory lane, shall we? So, oh, yes. Yeah. So, let's hey, um, You know, I, I, I actually remember saying the first fuck on Outlaw Radio. How about this? Yes. Let's see here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio. Yes, this is the moment. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for to join with other students of the American Broadcasting School. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Who wants to go first? I'll take a crack at it here. My name is Chris Master. I'm the host of The Renegade Show. Great to be here on Outlaw Radio, y'all. I guess I'll go next. My name is Derek Stark. I'm the host of The Drive Home with Derek Stark. You can find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash ABS The Drive Home. Make sure you get that like. It's country music and rock music mixed together. Outlaw Radio was one of the ideas I pitched to Billy because Hellhounds, let's just say they didn't appreciate the name. And that's, that's quite okay with me. I, I wasn't that fond of the name myself. I just kind of thought of it at the last minute. But, uh, Derek, I think uh, you're the more grateful one in this matter, so thank you very much. Uh, you are most welcome. Outlaw Radio is where we do, we talk about what we want, when we want. Nothing is off limits, and profanity is welcome. Fuck yeah! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. First profanity, I love it. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, within the first two to three minutes, yeah, the first fuck was said, and, you know, that's just when you know that we're rare classy. Damn right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, um, I mean, I can't believe it's been seven years, you know? Yeah. I, th I mean, back when we started, 
I had not gotten together yet with my wife, now wife. And I wasn't with mine either. Yeah, and you know, I was. Derek, a- I think Derek was the only one that was in a relationship at the time, and then and now it's like reverse. We're the married ones, and Derek is still single and trying to hump everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Derek. If you're hearing this, I'm just kidding. You know, sadly, er, er, earlier this year, though, we, we did lose our, our good friend Jack the Footman. Oh, yeah, yeah that was, yeah. I, 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 tell, I remember you telling me that, yeah. and I just like, I immediately thought, started remembering the first, inter, one of the first episodes, uh, was, and one of our first interviews was with Jack the Footman, Yeah, and, um, you know, he did the song about fresno and um you know the song about feed and i i tell you that was one of the fun more fun interviews and of course you know we had that um we had that naked chick on oh uh, layla yeah well, yeah I, if we could mention her name or not yeah. but yeah she well, uh well I mean, layla is an alias i know her real name so we're good there do what I said Layla is only an alias, so... Yeah, um, you know, and the thing is, after that show, I it was the first and prob- and last time that I ever did the show with a boner. <laughs> you had to tell me that. <laughs> uh, but uh, here's a... Uh, here we go. I, I gotta play this clip. This is when Jack the Footman was on with us here, so... Gotta play that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna bring in, we're gonna bring on our guest that's uh, on right now, straight out of Philadelphia. All right, all right, it is Jack the Footman. All right, all right. What's going on? <laughs> By the way, Jack, meet my co-hosts Derek Stark and Chris Master, and uh, they had a look at uh, you on Jerry Springer. Oh my! How you doing, Derek and uh, Chris? Doing all right, man. All Doing right. Pretty good. What'd you say? Doing pretty good, man. Jack, I gotta say, I did not think it was you that was on Jerry Sprinter, but all of a sudden it's just like, holy crap, Jack the Footman. This is awesome. We're getting very awesome guests here now. We're rolling up in the world. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that was me on Springer. That was back in 2007. And here's another one here. Yeah, and I let me massage him and rub him and kiss him and stuff like that. It wasn't the same as a as a foot party because a foot party they can you know they can jump on you and you know kick you around and all that. But I still was able to get their feet. <laughs> uh, oh man, Jack! I hope you're resting in peace, man. I hope you're up there getting stomped on and racially degraded. <laughs> Normally, I don't encourage racially degrading somebody, but I know you loved it, so. <laughs> I, I and hopefully he didn't he have a thing for Taylor Swift's feet. I think so, but yeah, yeah he <laughs> he he loved them white woman to call him uh, the end. So oh, yeah, and that was and. All right, I don't know if you can play it, but can you play the song he did about Fresno? I don't have time, and I don't have it in front of me, but... Uh, yeah, that was one of the 
that was one of the song. He did a song singing about Fresno, Fresno going to jail, going <laughs> to prison, and it was it was just it was so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could do a- have time for one more clip. So here, here we go. Well, 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 hell to the motherfucking yeah. It's good to be back on Outlaw Radio right here on Sky 106 Variety out of the clear blue sky. I am your host, Bad Billy, and I'll let these other two fools introduce themselves like they're supposed to. What up, everyone? I am the master, Chris Master, and boy, damn, it's good to be back. I have to say... It is good to be back on Sky 106, right out of the clear blue sky. I'm Derek Stark, the infamous, red-bearded, wonderful man. And don't be listening to Billy because Billy's seen the invention of the wheel. He's literally seen it all. I've seen a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus is a good guy. But, uh, Derek, are you are you going to be this mouthy when you hit puberty? <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, it's because oh. your hair from your head going in and coming out other places. The <laughs> clip? Did, did you play? Have you played the clip where we talked about your alternative alternative lifestyle and your uh, what you thought you wanted to be out of college? Oh God, no! And I'm not gonna play that clip because not only only because we are out of time, unfortunately. Uh. So, but Chris, it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, we just got likewise, man. Got to uh, do it more more often. Hopefully, I'll be back uh, sooner than the next anniversary show, which I think that was the last time I was on was the, the six year anniversary. Yeah, actually, I didn't have any of the crew. I just I just had uh, my three guests. That that was it. Mm. Yep. Um, hopefully, um, hopefully I'll be able to be back on, uh, a little more than just once or twice a year, but, um, but, uh, you know, every time that I am on, it's always fun, Billy. All right. Well, take care, bud. (laughs) You too, man. And that will do it for the seven year anniversary special of Outlaw Radio. Man, this has been a lot of fun. Always is, and I look forward to doing more anniversary specials for future years to come. Yes, indeed. Now, there will not be a show next week. That's because I will be at Highway 30 Music Fest right here in the Magic Valley, Twin Falls. Actually, it'll be in Filer, Idaho. Yes. And uh, the show after next week, of course, will feature... uh, The next two shows, I should say, will feature a collection of the interviews that uh, I record at Highway 30 Music Fest. Yes, indeed. So uh, be looking forward to that for sure. I'm going to end the show with the special guest that I had last year for the six-year anniversary special. This is Kimberly Dunn with Sugar Rush. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Take care. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope, 
We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. you're in a band or maybe you run a radio show or podcast whatever you do you want to market your brand with custom made apparel look no further than fresh baked tees t-shirts hoodies tank tops caps beanies koozies banners and even masks you can get them all custom made from fresh baked tees prices are reasonable and negotiable Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today.
support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden nutritional support system. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's MyPillow pillows and other products. Click on the MyPillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Use promo code OUTLAW and save up to 66%. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25-year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Artists performing include Colby Cooper, Lainey Wilson, Ellie Mae Mellencamp, Cliff Miller, Austin English, The Steel Woods, Shane Smith and the Saints, Sam Riggs, and more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2022 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, Snake River Pool and Spa, and 95.7 KEZJ is Southern Idaho's new country. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. That's Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. 
I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Won't ever see it coming, baby. I hit you from the block.